2,000 to 2,500 year old Bible prophecies are being fulfilled at an accelerated pace like we have never seen before, confirming we are living just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ to this earth. And I will provide several proofs we are in the end time on this edition of End of the Age. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. And just to kind of set the tone for today, I was on a radio interview with Bob Duco from Detroit, Michigan, just about an hour and a half ago. And his main question to me was, can you prove we're in the end time? And I get that a lot. How can you prove? You guys say you're with End Time Ministries. How can you prove we're in the end time? Because a lot of people question that. Oh, we've heard that for hundreds of years. We're in the end time. How can you prove, though, that we are the generation that will see the second coming of Jesus Christ? Well, with the escalation of prophetic fulfillment happening so fast right now, all the prophecies converging at the same time, it's easy to prove that we are, in fact, in the end time. So what I'm going to do today is just march right down through here, go through several different topics, proving to you that we are, in fact, in the end time. On Friday's program, uh, open line program, this would have been the second, I had a caller call in about the times of the Gentiles being fulfilled, wondering when that was and it's very important because if you believe that the times of the Gentiles is fulfilled at the beginning of the final seven weeks and that God has turned from the Gentiles to the Jews and the final seven weeks is only for the Jews, then you would tend to believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, right? Well, the Bible teaches a post-tribulation rapture. So when is the time of the Gentiles fulfilled? I'm going to answer that question and then we'll hit many of these topics at a very fast pace. So, in the closing days of his ministry, Jesus really, he wept over Jerusalem and he said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, that thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto me, how oft would I have gathered you together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth till ye shall say, Blessed is the Lord. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. That's Matthew 23, 37, 39. In Matthew 24, 2, Jesus continued to talk about Jerusalem, the city where God chose to place his name. And the Bible says, And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be one stone left over under another. He's talking about the temple mount. And, that, and it's all going to be thrown down. It's talking about the temple itself, actually. Well, a few years later in 70 AD, 
just as Jesus had prophesied, the Roman armies destroyed Jerusalem, burnt the second temple to the ground. That nobody really knows 100% where the temple stood, the footprint of that on the Temple Mount today. We all speculate, but specifically where it stood, nobody knows. But after 70 AD, that began the 2,000 year, the almost 2,000 years, like 1,878 year exile of the Jewish people from their promised land and their holy city, Jerusalem. But God turns to the Gentiles. The apostle James spoke to the leaders of the early church as they were attempting to understand how God would turn to the Gentiles. In Acts 15, 14, he said, Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. Because Israel was too proud of her role as a a God's chosen people, she was unable to really receive a, a meek and lowly Messiah. Well, in his wisdom, God turned to the lowly Gentiles who were humble enough to receive a salvation that they did not deserve. And God was looking for a people that he would have mercy upon, not one who felt that it deserved his divine favor. And thus the times of the Gentiles began. The Apostle Paul attempted to explain this truth to the Gentiles in Romans 11, 25 and 26. He said, for I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion a deliverer and shall turn away godliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. Paul also warned the Romans against being lifted up in pride because they had been favored by God with salvation. And he explained the mystery that the blindness of Israel would not last forever. And it was blindness in part, mind you. Jews can be saved today. The big majority of them are not. But there, I have Jewish friends, many of them, that have been born again today. So he told them that this condition that would only last until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. Then he explained that all of Israel would be saved. And that existed when the fullness of the Gentiles was completed, then they would be saved. So he went on in, that, in uh, Romans chapter 11 to explain that God first concluded the Gentiles in unbelief so that he might have mercy on the Gentiles. And he explained that the Jews are now cons- consigned um, to unbelief that he might have mercy on the Jews. And he summarizes this discourse in Romans eleven thirty two, that for God hath concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. He's going to turn to Israel at the end. So the times of Israel or the times of the Gentiles fulfilled. When is that? That's the question here on the table. Well, when Jesus spoke of the destruction of Jerusalem, he placed a time on its desolation in Luke 21, 24. He said, and they shall fall by the edge of the sword. They shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles 
be fulfilled. So it's going to be a very long period of time. We know it's almost 2,000 years, right? So from 70 AD until today, Jerusalem has continued to be under Gentile control. Remember in 70 AD, they were driven out. And when Jerusalem was captured by Israel in 1967 war, many Bible students thought, well, hey, the times of the Gentiles is over. However, that simply was not the case. And we're going to get deep off into this when we get back. I've got a lot of proofs that we're in the end time, but I wanted to establish the fulfillment of the Gentiles first. Then we'll get on into many news articles. It's going to be fun. Does the book of Revelation frighten you? Do its symbols confuse you? For centuries, the book of Revelation has been misunderstood and misinterpreted. In Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, volume one. Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. This 10-part definitive DVD series and 268-page comprehensive commentary book covers the first 12 chapters of the book of Revelation, featuring on-location photography, classic artwork, and symbolic illustrations. You'll walk away with complete understanding and peace about the events happening during the final years on Earth. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding as you dig into the original intent of the book, answering the mysterious prophecies and symbols of the book of Revelation. Don't miss this special offer. Call now, 1-800-END-TIME, or go to endtime.com to order. Call or go online now to get this comprehensive Bible study. We've seen Bible prophecy fulfilled like never before. From the halls of the United Nations to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, End Time Ministries continues to reveal the Bible prophecy in the news headlines around the world every day. Whether it's through our broadcast or online at our Jerusalem Prophecy College, your gifts enable us to put vital materials in the hands of those who need it most. Because of you, we continue to replace fear with faith in the hearts of Christians around the world. We will continue to see prophecy come to pass at an even swifter pace. We need your support. Your donation of any amount enables us to continue to broadcast and be a voice in the ever-growing censored media. To become a partner or give a one-time gift, visit endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME right now. That's 800-363-8463. Go online now. Visit endtime.com. So I'm going to finish this up on the times of the Gentiles being fulfilled. Just a moment. I got a quick uh, announcement. This coming Saturday evening, July 10th at 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., I'll be at the Solid Rock Church of Ann Arbor. That's 3823 North Dixborough Road in Ann Arbor, Michigan. July 11th, Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. to 1230 p.m., I'll be at the same church, Solid Rock Church, Ann Arbor, 3823 North Dixborough Road. And I'll be teaching Saturday night, The Huge Timeline, The Future According to Bible Prophecy. Sunday morning, we'll be doing um, Breaking Prophetic Fulfillments. And then possibly having a, maybe an altar service where people could be, if that wanted to be moved on by the Lord, that felt a call, might be able to ha- give, a, ha- give a response there. And so uh, we'll just follow the leading of the Spirit during the service on Sunday morning. 
perhaps we'll do a Q&A session. It's always a good time. So I look forward to seeing you guys in Ann Arbor, Michigan uh, this weekend. It's always a great time at these conferences. And our response, we've had great response. I mean, a lot, big crowds. Uh, we've had a lot of people showing up, a lot of visitors. It's been awesome. So um, looks like the COVID restrictions are coming off of Michigan. Look forward to having a great conference with you guys up there. Now, let's dive back off into the Gentiles, the fulfillment, because I'm showing you that we're in the end time. And so at the 1967 war, there were many students, Bible students, that thought the times of the Gentiles was over at that point. Israel's gathered back together. We've got Jerusalem and the Temple Mount. However, Israel's secular government returned control of the Temple Mount right back to the Muslim Waqf. And Revelation 11, 1 and 2 explains when the times of the Gentiles will come to an end. It says, and there was given me a reed like unto a rod. And the angel stood and said, hey, John, rise and measure the temple of God and the altar. And them that worship therein, but the court which is without the temple, measure it not. For it's given unto the Gentiles and the holy city shall they tread underfoot 42 months. So remember, Jerusalem will be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles is fulfilled. And this passage tells us that the Gentiles will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months. So 42 months here refers to the three and one half year period known as the Great Tribulation, which immediately precedes the Battle of Armageddon. So in Revelation 13, 5, we're told that power was given unto the beast, the Antichrist, to continue 42 months. It's the same 42 months that will conclude the times of the Gentiles. Okay? You following me? And when Jesus comes back to earth, destroys the Antichrist, establishes his kingdom, the times of the Gentiles will be completed or fulfilled at that time. Not at the beginning of the seven years. Now, there will be Jews and God's going to um, there, God, the Bible says, I would save the tents of Judah first. There will be um, a, a Jewish revival during that period. But when the times of the Gentiles is completed at the second coming, the Bible says all of Israel that has survived the great tribulation will turn to Jesus in mass when he descends upon the Mount of Olives. And Jerusalem is the most disputed piece of real estate on the planet today, by, by far. And the, the Battle of Armageddon is going to be fought over, really, the Temple Mount and who controls that and the city of Jerusalem, but more importantly, the Temple Mount. And the nation of Israel is now reborn after almost 2,000 years of exile. The world community is searching for ways to establish peace between the Israelis and the Palestinians and to settle the control of who controls Jerusalem and most importantly, the Temple Mount. And all of these factors speak loud and clear to us. This is all Bible prophecy. That the times of the Gentiles are almost over. And the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is very, very near. And I say, like most of you would, come quickly, Lord Jesus, right? But it lets us know the timing of these things. We're coming right down to this. Once that peace agreement is signed between the Israelis and the Palestinians, that starts that final seven-year period. At the end of that, the times of the Gentiles is fulfilled God turns to Israel and they come to him in mass. Prior to that, though, Jesus said, I would save the tents of Judah first. There will be other Jews that are saved during the 
uh, 1,000 year, or the, I'm sorry, not the 1,000 year, the, the uh, final seven years, especially during the Great Tribulation. Revelation chapter 13, uh, chapter 7 is the revival chapter. There's going to be a remnant of Jews, and there's going to be um, a, a multitude that no man can number out of every kindred, every nation, every tongue, and every people. There will be Jews and Gentiles saved during the final seven years, especially during the Great Tribulation. And so that's one of the, one of the reasons End Time Ministries established the Jerusalem Prophecy College, the physical Jerusalem Prophecy College in downtown Jerusalem. And then, of course, there's the one that's online that everybody can join and take to college. But our physical presence there is going to help us facilitate the revival of the Jews during the final seven years. Now, that's one way we know we're just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, let me just go down through here real quick and give you a lot of proofs that you can use, you know, around the water cooler at work or, you know, perhaps talking to your family. People say, oh, prove we're in the end time. Okay, let's prove it. Six trumpet war, World War III. The Bible says, Revelation 9, verse 13 through 16. The sixth angel sounded. I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, loose the four angels, which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared, were prepared for an hour a day, a month and a year, for to slay the third part of man, one third of all the human on earth. And the number of the army, the horsemen were 200,000, thousand, and I heard the number of them. So there's a war coming out of the Middle East, out of the Euphrates River region that's going to kill one third of the world's population. In Debcophile, um, GOP Senator Lindsey Graham, he said, I've never been more worried about an, an Iran-Israeli war than I am right now. Republican Senator Lindsey Graham warned in an interview that Iran was trying to build a nuclear weapon to hold the world hostage and one day destroy the state of Israel. They're on, he said they're on, they're on a path to accomplish this unless we make a correction now. So in Lindsey Graham's view, the U.S. cannot be trusted with Israel's security since Joe Biden doesn't understand the nature of the threat or the Ayatollah's game. They are pl- they, he, Lindsey Graham said they're playing him like a fiddle. He said, we have a chance to keep Iran on the ropes, but every day they grow stronger. Well, why is this so important? Because you're talking about if, if they were to go to war, Iran and Israel, the United States would come in, the China would come in, Russia would come in on behalf of Iran. We're at a global nuclear situation at that point. I, uh, Russia and the United States control 90% of the world's nuclear arsenal. Although I just read an article just a couple hours ago that said China is putting in a huge field of silos to put in all new updated nuclear weapons that could go all, it was like 10,000 kilometers possibly reaching America. And so you're talking about nuclear war. That's what World War III is going to be. And we're, I always watch, I've said this many times, but I always watch Iran, Israel, the United States, that situation. What's going on there? Yeah, we did look at the Syrian civil war. We looked at Iraq. We looked at all the different scenarios. 
But Iran has been at conflict with Israel. Iran wants to wipe Israel off the map. They want to wipe the United States off the map. Imagine them getting nuclear weapons. It simply cannot happen. The JNS reported, um, I don't know, a year or two ago, a wonderful article by Ken Abramowitz. I brought it up many times that the World War III has already begun, in his opinion. He said, World War III, the conflict we now unfortunately find ourselves in, is far more complex and confusing than World War II. He said, a good example is America's principal enemy, Iran, supported by Russia, China, and the European Union, which declares war on America 40 years ago and continuously preaches genocide or to wipe them off the planet against the United States, death to America and Israel, death to Israel. They actually call America big Satan and Israel little Satan. He said numerous U.S. federal courts have ruled that Iran's leaders provided material support to al-Qaeda for the purpose of carrying out the 911 attacks and have imposed judgment on tens of billions of dollars upon them and ordered U.S.-based properties owned by the Islamic Republic to be seized and auctioned off to pay off these and other judgments. But, but as the aggressor, Iran relatively successfully uses all six forms of modern warfare, physical, cultural, economic, legal, demographic, and cyber. But imagine if they got a nuclear weapon. The number one state sponsor of terrorism on the planet. Imagine them having a nuclear weapon. It's unfathomable the damage that they can do. But that's what they're trying to do, folks. And it has created three... Iran has created three worldwide terror arms specializing in physical terrorism, narco-terrorism, culture terrorism. They have an estimated half a million terrorist operatives in over 30 countries as we speak. Probably have some here in the United States. Honestly, they could cross our border right now and we wouldn't do anything about it. They could cross into Texas and we wouldn't do anything about it at this point. Now, we're trying... But you understand since November of last year, about a million people have crossed our southern border. A million. There are people pouring across because the current administration doesn't want to do anything about it. So, Abramowitz said, hey, reacting defensively, the United States is fighting back primarily with economic warfare, some cyber warfare, and very limited physical warfare. And the physical warfare is through passive shows of force. You understand that um, Iran with drones are going in now. Uh, not Iran, Israel with the use of drones and different things. They're going in and covertly bombing and setting fires to and, and trying to damage Iran's nuclear aspirations and their uh, nuclear plants. But it hasn't stopped them. It slowed them down, but it has not stopped them. And the United States is yet to really employ cultural, legal, or demographic warfare against Iran. But President Trump was just hammering them with sanctions. And of course, President Biden is wanting to remove those sanctions. And really, in doing so, he's helping to fund terrorism. And... What a travesty the whole situation is. I mean, I'm sitting there watching this. And I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. 
the president of the United States, to a country that wants to destroy us, we're going to negotiate with them? I mean, you don't negotiate with terrorists, folks. And so, but Abramowitz said Iran's goal is to take over the world. That's what they're trying to do. And convert everyone to Islam, or particularly the Shiite version, using all forms of warfare. America's goal is to live in peace and prosperity while encouraging all democracies, about 50% of the global population, and dictatorships, the other 50%, to join in our worldwide economic plan. We tried that. Um, you've seen where Jared Kushner, Donald Trump, tried that with the Palestinians and, and many of the Arab uh, neighboring countries. Hey, let's go in and help build up their, uh, you know, bring them out of this third world scenario. And they didn't want anything to do with it. Because they've got an ideology, and it's not too nice. So, Abramowitz said, hey, there's no compatibility between the United States and the objectives of Iran. Either one or the other can prevail, but not both. And therefore, he says, we find ourselves in World War III, even though we don't want to be, and don't think we are, and don't even want to consider the possibility we might be. He said, in his opinion, World War III started decades ago. And it just hasn't escalated to the point where we are, there's mass casualties. There has been many casualties, but not to the point where there would be one third of the world's population. But the Bible says out of that, out of that Middle East, the the Euphrates River region, that that would be where World War III would emanate from. And so that's why we watch that region very closely. What's going on there? I'm proving to you that we are close to the end time. The reason I talk about the Sixth Trumpet War, it's one of the next two prophecies to be fulfilled on God's prophetic timeline. The first five trumpets, it's the sixth trumpet. The first five have already occurred in just over the last 100 years. You understand those prophecies were given 2,000 years ago in the book of Revelation. And they began to be fulfilled in 1914 to 1918 with World War I. So since 1914 to 2021... Five of those first trumpets have occurred. You understand? Just over the last 100 years. So for people to say, well, you know, come on, Dave. We're not living in the end time. What do you, what do you mean? The five, five of the seven trumpets have already occurred. The six trumpets, World War III, that will come from the Middle East region. And the seventh trumpet, we're out of here. But people question, are we in the end time? I, you know, I don't believe it. What? That's why we've got to study these prophecies, folks. It gives you a sense of urgency. Hey, the God of heaven is coming back before very long to establish his kingdom here on the earth. I probably ought to get ready for that. Somehow, some way, I can't just live however I want and say, I'm just going to float out of here on a cloud. Doesn't work like that. There's a sense of urgency that's created when you understand these prophecies are about to come to an end here. We're going to meet Jesus face to face. Major internet companies are silencing and censoring Christian voices online. These companies are trying to control what you see and hear. Almost 200 videos of ours have been marked as restricted online right now. That's why we launched End of the Age Plus, a platform where the truth won't be censored, a platform where we can preach the message of the gospel. When you subscribe to End of the Age Plus today for just $12.99 a month, You can watch all of our content in a secure, easy-to-view way from your favorite device. 
When you go to watch.endtime.com and subscribe, you'll get instant access to all of our teaching resources, including Revelation, the Unveiling of Jesus Christ, Understanding the End Time, End Time Magazine, and so much more. We will not censor our message to comply with what the world deems as politically correct. Go to watch.endtime.com right now or search End of the Age Plus in the App Store or Google Play. Move Mountains with Irvin Baxter. This book by Irvin's grandson provides 30 days of devotion that will enhance your relationship with God and others. Authentic illustrations from early morning devotions at end time will help you find your purpose and eliminate fears. Commit to taking this 30-day journey and experience real life change. Get your book for only $14.99. Call 1-800-363-8463 or go to endtime.com slash move. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. So I'm, I'm going to try to move quickly here because I want to try to get to as many of these as possible. I've got a lot of them, proving that we're in the end time. But the next one is the increase in the LGBTQ agenda in the end time. Luke chapter 17, verse 29 through 30. Luke said, But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. My father-in-law, Irvin Baxter, used to say, you know, he used to teach on this. And I would think, man, they're, they, not, ne- never in America, ne- never, you know, even not maybe in some remote country somewhere way across the ocean and, you know, but not in America. And, you know, not in some of the, the maybe some European countries, not all of them. In the European Union, you know, to be Sodom and Gomorrah, I used to think, man, that's, that's pretty bad. And, but yet... We've seen today where the LGBTQ agenda is just being pushed rampant. And we've, we're towards the end. The Bible says this is how it's going to be. Let me give you a few examples. The Bible says that there, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. And we're seeing this happening in our society, folks. You understand the European Union is the model for world government on the earth. They dropped all, they removed all their borders, all their tariffs, and they function as one big state. Okay? Some of them got pulled into it, and once they got in, they realized, whoa, 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 we're going to have to yield up so much of our sovereignty to the parliament building in Brussels, Belgium. Well, I don't know. So some of them are, some of them are just drunkenly st- um, stumbling into this thing like, hey, just whatever. And then others are saying, whoa, 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 hold on. We don't want to yield up our sovereignty. We wanted to be part of this uh, economic block of the European Union but for trade and everything, but we didn't want to yield up our sovereignty. <clears throat> but the parliament building is saying, uh-uh, you're part of the EU. You're going to do what the EU says. It's the model for world government. It's what it is. It's what they want the whole world to do. That's why people that believe in a world government don't protect, don't protect their borders of their country because the United Nations doesn't want that. They want 
a global state that answers to a global government. That's the goal. So CNS News reported that, let me give you a fair instance of one of the states that doesn't want to really do, they want to be part of the EU, but they don't really want to do what they say. Hungary. The European Union said to Hungary's uh, Orban that you, ba- you back gay rights. You do what we say, you back gay rights or, you're, or, you're, or get out. So they told um, Hungary's Viktor Orban that you respect the LGBTQ rights or get out of the EU. Dutch, minister, um, Dutch Prime Minister Mark Root, he instructed Orban. He said, you get, what, you get on the program with this LGBTQ and you start pushing it or you get out of the EU. And this was at a gathering of the European Union in Brussels last week. Hungary just passed a law that bans schools from using materials seen as pro-homosexuality, pro-homosexual, pushing that agenda in schools. And according to the Associated Press, the new law prohibits sharing context on homosexuality or sex reassignment to children under 18 in sex education programs, films, or advertisements. The EU is pro that, under 18, pushing these things on our kids. Orban, the leader of Hungary, said, I'm not going to do that. So the um, Dutch leader, Root, he eagerly related details of his confrontation with Orban, uh, Orban, and he said it was really forceful. He said a deep feeling that this could not be. It was about our, the European Union's values, their values to push homosexuality and transgenderism on children under 18. He was saying, this is what we stand for. And Orban, get get with the program or get out of the EU. And he said, I, I said, stop this. You must withdraw the law if you don't like that and really say that the European Union values are not your values then you must think about whether to remain in the European Union or not. European Union President Charles Mikel, he reminded Orban, he said that values such as freedom, tolerance, and human dignity are at the heart of the EU. Several of the EU member states signed a letter declaring respect and tolerance are at the core of the European project. We are committed to carry on with this effort, making sure the future European generations grow up in an atmosphere of equality and respect. Equality and respect. I'm about respecting everybody, but I'm not about pushing things on children that are diametrically opposed to the Word of God. I'm not going to do that. I mean, this is what they're wanting here. And Orban signed a law. We're not going to do that. And they said, hey, get rid of your law or get out of the EU. UN Secretary General, of course, the, the seat of world government, Antonio Guterres, he was in the meeting, and he, he asked about Hungary's new law. He was asked about that, and then he said, well, all forms of discrimination are totally unacceptable, and obviously any form of discrimination, retaliation, in relation to the LGBTQ plus people are totally unacceptable. It's not discrimination. For a Christian baker to say, I can't bake you a cake, I can bake you any kind of cake you want. I'll make you donuts. I'll make you cupcakes, cookies, whatever, which he had been doing for years. One baker that I'm thinking of, the guy up in Colorado. But he said, I cannot, I'm I'm a Christian and I can't bake you a cake that says 
congratulations on your wedding, uh, John and Tom. That's not discrimination. That's being able to practice your religious freedom in America because you're a Christian. And you're protected. You're supposed to be protected by the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. But uh, they, you know, the government's overlooking that and saying, no, it's discrimination. It's not discrimination. It would be discrimination if God created somebody to be that way. They can't help it. Yeah, you're discriminating against them for race or whatever. But that race is separate from the LGBTQ agenda. Totally separate. God created somebody to be a certain race. That's how they are. God created them. That's different than somebody who chooses the LGBTQ lifestyle, which is what it is. It's a choice. Let's face it. And they go on to say that for the stand that the European Union takes today, that homosexuality is natural and normal and should be morally and legally the equal to every other form of sexual expression. And it flatly contradicts, obviously, those Christian beliefs and values that Europe itself reflected at the EU's infancy, supposedly a Christian entity. But Romans 1, 26 through 28 says, For this cause... God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. So it's, the Bible is diametrically opposed to this lifestyle. God did not create anybody to be like that. And you understand, not until this century in the United States of America was homosexuality declared a constitutional right. Also, Newsmax just reported that the Supreme Court dodged an appeal by a Christian florist that was fined for spurning a gay couple. So what happened? The United States Supreme Court the other day declined to hear an appeal by Flores that was fined uh, by Washington State for refusing to make a flower arrangement for a same-sex wedding due to her Christian beliefs. She sidestepped, they sidestepped another case pitting gay rights against religious liberty. So after a ruling back in 2018, Many of you uh, know that, um, I can't remember the guy's name, the Christian Colorado baker, but he refused to make a wedding cake for two men for, righteous, for religious regions. And the justices turned away an appeal by Baronel Stutzman. She is an owner of Arlene's Flowers in the city of Richland. And after a low court appealed the Washington's, um, a lower court upheld Washington's actions, Stutzman refused service to a gay couple, Robert Ingersoll and Kurt Freed, back in 2013. Washington State imposed a $1,000 fine on her for violating an anti-discrimination law and was directed to make floral arrangements for same-sex weddings if she does, if she does so for opposite-sex weddings. The Washington State Supreme Court upheld the fine. So, she's a Christian florist. She says, hey... I'll make you flowers for any occasion, 
but I can't do one for a same-sex wedding. It goes against my religious beliefs. And the state of Washington said, too bad. You have to do it. We're going to fine you. It just went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, nah, we're not even going to hear that case. This is religious liberty in America, folks. And we've got to have a spiritual revival. I mean, that's all there is to it. Let me give you one more. This one's going to, if the other two didn't knock you off your chair, this one's going to. Say, why are you telling about all this? Because we're in the end time. The Bible says there's going to be an increase in activity, LGBTQ activity. It's going to be like it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah when you see the Son of Man coming again. I never thought this stuff was possible until what it, the, it was legalized in all 50 states, the act of sodomy in 2015 under the Obama administration. And now, I mean, the, the, the whole dam didn't break. The dam broke. The dam has been removed. And now it's just permeating our society. Uh, the Christian Post, they said that New Jersey is going to allow biological males into women's prisons to settle an ACLU suit. New Jersey is going to require prisons in the Garden State to house inmates based on their self-declared gender identity instead of their biological sex as part of a settlement of a lawsuit filed by a trans-identified male prisoner. And as a result of the settlement, Sonia Doe versus the New Jersey Department of Corrections will allow trans, intersex, and non-binary prisoners to be held in prisons that correspond with the opposite biological sex. So you understand, a guy in a male prison, let's say he's going to be in prison the rest of his life. He finds out, hey, I can identify as a female and go be in the female's prison. Now, honestly, what would you do? I mean, I, I, w- I wouldn't want to tell a lie. and I, I mean, I don't want to go to prison. And I obviously, but I'm just saying, if, if you're in prison, you do, you're a, a dastardly individual. You've done something. You got put in prison for 25, 30, 50 years, whatever. And you've got an opportunity to go be in the female's prison. I mean, come on. Who, who's not going to do that? I would think it would be a, 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 a mass exodus. It's going to be like the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. Everybody's going to be going over there. And it's going to be complete debauchery. But this is, this is America 2021. You've got to think about it. Are we in the end time? Oh, yeah. We're way off into the end time. I'll get to a lot more when we get back from the break. And I won't get through it all, but I'll get through a lot of it. Most of us walk around day by day blind to the prophecies being fulfilled right before us. Every news report brings a new piece to the puzzle in the race towards the final seven years and the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, more than ever, it is important for God's people to understand the times in which we are living. On November the 12th, 2013, 
we opened our Jerusalem Prophecy College in downtown Jerusalem. These same courses are now available online for people who are unable to attend the classes in person. We welcome students to join us and discover the link between current events and the prophecies of the Bible. Take your place in the prophecy of Daniel 11.33. Enroll in the Jerusalem Prophecy College today. Go to JerusalemProphecyCollege.com. Okay, more proof that we're in the end time. Mark of the beast. Precursors to the mark of the beast. Revelation 13, 16 through 18. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. So I could, wow, there's so much proof for this. Precursors to all of this. CBN News. The title of this article, The Big Development in China is Setting Up the World for the Mark of the Beast. What is going on? Well, China is on the cusp of launching a digital currency that will give the communist regime total control over the Chinese people. And that's what they want. Communism is all socialism, communism. It's all about control, control, control. When you hear, um, hey, free college, free this, free, 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 free. We, you know, democratic socialism, free everything. And you think, wow, this great utopia in America that we've always longed for, the American dream, free, free, free. Uh Uh-uh. No, no, no. Nothing's free. Everything's going to be paid for by somebody. Socialism, bad. So communism, bad. It's all about control at the end of the day. Read the Communist Party USA's uh, manifesto or their constitution. It's all about socialism leading to communism. They tell it right out there, plain black and white. So that's what this is all about, the Communist Party. It's all about control. Have you ever wondered uh, about the passage in the Bible, obviously about a government restricting the population so that you can't buy or sell unless you have a, a particular mark? Again, Revelation 13, 16 through 18. Well, China's moved towards a cashless society, and this is going on globally. The United Nations has an entity called, is working with an entity called the Better Than Cash Alliance. Their, their reason for existing is to move governments, businesses off of cash onto a digital platform. So, well, what's the United Nations got to do with that? The United Nations is the seat of world government, everybody. They're not this great humanitarian organization that just feeds people after a tsunami. That's not what they were created to do. They were created to be a one world governing body. Okay? So, China's move towards a cashless society, it's a big part of this answer to control everybody. This is where the entire world is literally being set up for that kind of governmental control. Think about this. The Chinese government is pushing ahead on many fronts to restrict what its population can and cannot do. They, they already restrict um, the right to, of assembly. They restrict religious freedom. Christians are under heavy persecution over there. 
they certainly restrict political speech, any speech that is critical of the, the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, and the way that they run things, it's definitely cracked down upon heavily. Well, all you have to do is to look at what's happening in Hong Kong over the last couple of years, and you can get a very clear picture of where they're going. But they want control. That's the goal. That's the goal here. They're doing it right now as a social credit score, where if you don't score a particular way, you're not allowed to travel and different things, right? That, that's already in place. You, if you jaywalk, if you, you know, that it's a, it's a, it's your, how you react socially to the government and to your peers. You act out of the way, your credit score goes down. And that's how they're dictating these people. But just imagine a government that if you step out of line, they can now turn off all your money and do it instantly. So you cannot buy or sell. You don't have the right in the marketplace to participate anymore. I mean, that's what a digital currency allows a government to do. If you have cash, cash is freedom. The government can't dictate you. And, but when you're on a digital platform with a flip of a, a press of a button, I can shut your access to your cash off. And what are you going to do if it's all digital? The government has absolute, complete control over that. And if you think it's just going to happen in China, think again. I've got Rick Brenninger writing a huge article right now for End Time Magazine on this. But the Federal Reserve here in the United States already has a study group looking at a digital currency for the United States. Well, you say, well, why are they going to do that? Because they're afraid China will usurp the U.S. and become the world currency. And that digital, that they, they believe that a digital currency is going to take over eventually. So you see all, all the action happening in the, the stock markets and the various markets for Bitcoin and other digital currencies, their rapid rise and people becoming overnight millionaires and billionaires, trillionaires, based on the value of these digital Currencies, And so the Federal Reserve, of course, they want to get in on that action to protect the U.S. dollar as the world currency. And we depend on that right now. We're, we're spending ourselves really into oblivion. And what allows us to do that is that we have the world's reserve currency. So we essentially borrowing against the value of our currency in order to have a, trillion, have a true $2 trillion deficit, right? Well, that party has to come to an end at some point in time. You cannot continue doing that. China is waiting for that party to end. And they want to step in on the world stage with a digital currency. Unfortunately, at the end of that, you and I are going to now, will we'll potentially, if this scenario comes to pass, that we would be subject to a government that may not agree with your opinions. Look at China. What's going on? The social credit system. If they don't agree with your opinion, they may not agree with your religion. They may not agree with the people you hang out with. And they would absolutely restrict your access to that digital currency in an effort to control you. It's a 2,000-year-old prophecy. And we're watching precursors to it happening as we speak. And that's how you get the fulfillment of a 2,000-year-old Bible verse that says you can't buy or sell without some kind of a mark. Imagine 
if they were to do that, maybe put a mark on you or uh, somehow or another. So you, you could be tracked everywhere you go. You could be, uh, they could control you absolutely by just be, the control of your money. The, the Revelation chapter 13 says there's going to be a world government. There's going to be a world religion. But at the end of, the, end of it all, they're going to use an economically sanctioning system to get people to bow down to the edicts of the world governing body. Now, one more proof. Thomas, uh, this is kind of a precursor to the Mark of the Beast as well. The Thomas Reuters Foundation, they put out an article, millions of Ugandans denied vital services over their digital ID cards. Listen at this. Millions of Ugandans struggle to access vital public services and entitlements as they lack digital identity cards six years after they were reduced, introduced. Government data shows that a quarter of Ugandan adults, about four and a half million people, did not have a biometric identity card in 2020. And there, because of that, pregnant women were being turned away from health care centers and old people unable, were unable to claim their welfare benefits. So more than 15 million digital ID cards, which are needed to open a bank account. Now get this, they, they, you, you, it's like, kind of like social security number here in the United States. They're needed to open a bank account, buy a, a, a mobile SIM card, start a formal employment, get a passport or a student loan. They've been issued since they were introduced in 2014. National digital IDs being rolled out across the, the world. Now listen at this. I'm going to back up here just a little bit. National digital IDs are being rolled out across the world for greater ease in accessing public and private services. And the World Bank has said they can boost financial inclusion with their ID4D digital ID uh, project that there is moving throughout the world right now and improve transparency and efficiency in service delivery. But human rights groups have warned of risks of privacy. Well, imagine that. And data protection and further marginalizing vulnerable groups, including the elderly and disabled, really everybody. But Uganda planned to make the digital ID a requirement for receiving COVID ID or COVID-19 vaccines until it was challenged in a lawsuit and by the ISR and the unwanted witness, another local advocacy group, and the reports, um, the second co-author, they fought against it. So on the, on the ground, it's very clear that it's a military-led project. That was stated by Christian Van Veen, who's the director of the Digital Welfare State and the Human Rights Project at the New York City, and this project was led by senior figures in Uganda's military. And when they were presenting the project in parliament, they made no secret about it. They said, this is a national security project. And the national digital ID is one way of knowing where every Ugandan is. That is the goal. It's tracking. It's surveillance. It's control. The only reason you number a people is to control them. That's it. Consider the Jews in Hitler's Holocaust. They tattooed their numbers on their forehands or their uh, forearms. That was to control them. Now, the final one, as quick as I can, world government. White House fact sheet said that President Biden and, and the G7 leaders, this was a couple, two or three weeks ago, they launched the Build Back Better World, B3W Partnership. This was on June 12th. 
The United States is rallying the world's democracies to deliver for, for our people, meet the world's biggest challenges, and demonstrate our shared values. Today, President Biden, this was a couple weeks ago again, a few weeks, uh, Biden met with G7 leaders to discuss strategic competition with China and commit to concrete actions to meet the tremendous infrastructure need in low and middle income countries. The build back better. There's the term. B3W collectively catalyzed hundreds of billions of dollars of infrastructure investment for low and middle income countries in the coming years. Together with the leaders of G7, the Biden administration fully endorses guiding the principles of build back better. Climate friendly, well, the investments will be made in a manner consistent with achieving the goals of the Paris Climate Agreement, which is wealth redistribution personified. Socialism, enhancing the impact of multilateral public finance, multilateral development banks, and other international financial institutions, including the World Bank. This is World Government 101. Having developed rigorous standards for project planning, implementation, social and environmental safeguards, and analytical capability, the United States will incorporate these standards because of the Biden administration and safeguards to ensure the U.S. taxpayer resources are used appropriately and effectively. Wealth redistribution, everybody. So what does the new American say? That build back better is now a catch-all phrase to push every deep state policy prescription ranging from globalism to big government to climate schemes and sustainable development that would crush whole sectors of our economy. It goes hand in hand with the UN-backed Great Reset and the totalitarian Green New Deal. It's all because President Biden is a globalist. He believes in a one-world governing body. The Bible says... Just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ, there will be a fully functioning world governing body established that the Antichrist will eventually usurp authority over and run the world until the second coming of Jesus Christ. Our current president is a globalist. He believes in that 100%. That's why he's promoting the build back better terminology of the United Nations. We are in the end time. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463, or visit us online at endtime.com. 